Have you ever thought about what success looks like? Is it based on the scoreboard at the end of a competition? Or perhaps is it based on your wealth? Often parents measure success of their children by the child's level of happiness. I just want them to be happy, which according to some psychologists and sociologists, is a surefire way to screw kids up. And who measures your success anyway? Is it up to you? Is it up to your family? Is it up to society or social media? If only there was a way to understand what success looks like and how we can live life well, to live life successfully. Today, we will discover the key to success is found in a loving relationship. Let me pray. Jesus, as we spend time in your word once again, Lord, may it wash over us with freshness and vitality. May it be an opportunity for us to be encouraged and, and challenged, but drawn into a closer relationship with you. Jesus, we invite you to do your good work through the empowering and the brooding over us by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, perhaps for you, it was a word spoken over you by a, pa a parent or a partner who shaped your understanding of your ability to succeed. Perhaps the struggle of some challenge, uh, not of your own making, saw, your, saw you reassess your ability to be successful. But who measures your success and how it is measured can significantly shape our understanding of yourself and who we are created to be. Parents, teachers, lecturers, friends, partner and employer, they can all measure different things, can't they? And they all want to have a say in what they think makes you successful. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to John chapter 15. In John 15, we, we discover some more about God's heart for us. You know, we can easily find ourselves confused or looking for validation from various people in an effort to be successful. But imagine if the creator of the universe, the creator who knew you while you were still being formed, Imagine if this same creator was invited to speak into your life and to reveal the God-given meaning for success. This is no quick fix. It will require you to stick with it over the long haul. But at whatever stage of life this finds you in, it is possible. It is also revolutionary and transformative and it will ensure that you live your life well. In the hours before Jesus went to the cross, he spent time with his disciples and we discover his message to them um, and we read about this message in John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. In John 15 verse 1, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says this, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit 
so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings glory to my Father. Fruitfulness or success comes from focus. But often we can focus on the wrong things, can't we? So often we can read this passage and things like it and we start to focus on the fruit and think fruitfulness is the key to success. But the success of the grape is dependent on the quality of the cane's union with the trunk and its ability to carry the life force of the trunk through its veins to the point where the fruit grows. Pruning, dressing, cleaning and shaping the vine is crucial for fruit production. But the cane needs to be connected to. It needs to abide in the trunk. So, unless you're a viticulturalist, we might need some prompting on what this looks like. So we've invited a special guest along to give us a bit of an indication of how this works. So let's take it away, Tino. Viticulture. Its practices have been handed down from generation to generation. It's been around for thousands of years. The bloke that stars in the next clip hasn't been around for quite that long, but he knows a thing or two about growing grapes. He's my dad. Now you've got what? Three varieties? Chardonnay? Pinot and Cabernet. All French varieties? All what? French varieties. Why no Italian? Because of the, the, the climate in Tasmania, uh, many of the, the types, they don't ripen. And I'm uh, pruning them. They all prune the same varieties, all the yes, the same? Yes, Even the they, table grapes? All the same system, the same way. Well, let's show us how to do it then. Yeah. That's uh, what uh, we're trying to achieve. We leave two branches, roughly 10 buds each side, and uh, more like a T-shape, okay? So, Dad, what about this one here? Well, this one here, will, uh, I'll choose to leave these two and cut the rest. Why those two? Well, because they are uh, healthy, right in the center, close to the trunk. I'll leave the third one till the end. You bend them down, and roughly you can want one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten buds. And uh, you have to make sure that you leave about six to eight inches 
about between, 15 to 20 centimeters. Between each plate, yes. Then you cut the spare one. The reason why I left this, just in case one of them break, you got the other one. Ah, it's your safety. Now, I don't need that. Oh, okay. Perfect. Excellent. Next one. So, Dad, what else is important when pruning your grapes? You should talk <laughs> to the grapes. And what, what do you say to the grapes? Oh, you, sometimes you sing a song if you... <laughs> if you need to. If you need to, yes. Now, Dad, I'd love to say that I learned how to prune grapes off you and you learned off your dad and then he learned off his dad. But is that true? You didn't. No, I did. I did watch a bit. That's how I knew a bit, uh, watching my dad. But coming to Australia was a bit different, a different system. Yeah. But this I still learn because once you know a bit, it, it don't need a diploma. You need a bit of heart, a bit of thinking, everything come in place. One of the beauties of pruning grapes is you don't have to do it in one go. You just have to be sure they are all done before the sap starts rising in spring. So it's okay to take a break. Salute. Salute. Mmm. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> Thanks so much, Tino. Pruning um, clean, uh, cleans and dresses the vine. It helps to shape it. It cleans off disease, dead and damaged wood. It helps branches to be as productive as they can be. Without pruning, the vine becomes less productive and it becomes diseased. There is intrinsic link between branches sticking to the trunk and fruitfulness. The life of the vine courses through the branches and makes its way to produce fruit. The union between the trunk is not just a, a belief in Jesus, but a life-giving union with Jesus that helps us through the tough times. You know, it's quite interesting that studies have shown that um, for, for good wine grapes, there needs to be the right amount of stress applied to the vine to produce the tastiest wine grapes, to produce the best flavour. So, so to, uh, too easily in life, um, we, we can have an easy life and if the grape vines have an easy life as well, the, the quality of the grapes aren't as good as when they have just that right amount of stress applied to them. Some wine growers will actually set up two lines of irrigation down either side of the, the um, grapevines and that they will water one side for a while and leave the other side so it dries out the roots and creates a little bit of stress in the, um, in the vines. And then they'll make sure that they don't push it too far. What they'll then do is, when the time's right, they'll switch irrigation lines so that the other side gets the, the water flowing through and the first side starts to feel that bit of stress and that helps to both produce great grapes but also great flavour as well. Fruitfulness will become a natural outworking of the life-giving nature 
of Jesus flowing into and through us. Fruit bearing is a natural byproduct of being well pruned and being united to the vine through the, to the trunk. In Galatians chapter 5 gives us an example of what fruitfulness looks like. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we read these words, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Being connected, being continually drawing our life source from Jesus through spending regular time with Jesus, um, not just learning about him, not just believing in him once and then moving on. It's not a once-off event. Not reading about other people's experiences of Jesus, but making sure that we personally invest time in our relationship with Jesus. That shapes us. That transforms us and our experience of Jesus and that helps us to um, express such good fruit. And when we miss the mark, we continue to invite Jesus through the Holy Spirit to continue his transformative work in our lives. Matthew 28 also speaks about another form of fruit that should be born because of our union with Jesus. It comes through our love for others as we seek to engage others in helpful ways to talk to them about Jesus as well, about Jesus and his love for them. Matthew 28 speaks of going and making disciples, introducing others to Jesus as we express the love of God and the love of Jesus for others, and Jesus' love is welling up in us and through us to others as well. Jesus goes on in John 15 verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything my father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. An outworking of Jesus' love in our life is an outworking of joy. Like the peace that only Jesus can give. Joy is such uh, that, that Jesus gives us, this joy that Jesus gives us transcends difficulties and challenges in life. It doesn't mean that we don't get frustrated or upset or depressed. And we recognise that there can be imbalances in our chemistry that may need some medication to help us respond to it well. But there is something about a deep, rich, life-giving relationship with Jesus that transforms us, 
and our understanding and outlook on life. It should transform our understanding of success as well. A successful life is one that is lived in close, intimate and loving relationship with Jesus. It has a natural outworking of our fruitfulness. And it's also one that is expressed and experienced in love. Jesus' sacrificial love for us, our love for Jesus and our love for others. It's the first of the fruit that is described in Galatians 5. Through our love of Jesus, we are experiencing this transformational work that takes place in our lives, that has us look around at the world around us differently as we see people through Jesus' eyes, as Jesus' life-giving force runs through our veins. But there is another thing in this passage that is easily overlooked, and it's the very last uh, it's in the very first verse, and it's the very last of Jesus' I am statements. I am the vine. Well, no, it actually doesn't say that. It says, I am the true vine. So this is a comparative statement that Jesus is making, suggesting that there was another vine that Jesus is actually comparing himself to. Israel has often been referred to as the vine. But the problem is, rather than being a good vine producing great fruit, God in the Old Testament is critical of the vine as, it, as he passes decisive judgment on it. What Jesus does here is to state that he is actually replacing the vine of Israel. That there are those who have, um, have a personal, life-flowing and fruitful relationship with Creator God. For that to be successful, for that to happen, it needs to be a, a branch that is planted into the right vine. It is in Jesus that we experience this and only through Jesus that we experience it. But there's also another inherent indicator of the nature of fruitfulness that we discover in these comparisons. What was Israel's failure as a vine? And what will be our success about who is truly fruitful through their abiding in Jesus? Well, Mary DeBono read this um, passage from, for us earlier, and it's in Isaiah chapter 5. In Isaiah chapter 5, we read in verse 7, The nation of Israel is a vineyard, and the Lord of heaven's of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. So along with love, joy, peace, patience, a measure of success in being fruitful is our expression of, our outworking of, our advocacy for justice, our concern for righteousness. This is an outworking and a natural, should be a natural outworking of abiding in, of being connected with Jesus as the trunk, for us being connected with the true vine. We can chase all sorts of things in an effort to be successful. We can encourage our children and our grandchildren to pursue all sorts of good and well-meaning things out of a desire to see them be successful. 
But the measure of success that will echo through eternity is not about the grades that we get at school. It's not about the scoreboard at the end of a competition or your job or your bank balance. It's, a measure, it's measured by God who loves you and wants the very best for you. The greatest measure of our success is our sticking with Jesus, abiding in Jesus and allowing his life-giving love, this life-giving love of Jesus to course through us as we obey Jesus and to see Jesus' love and Jesus' desires for us outworked in our lives. Our fruitfulness of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, of seeing others come to know Jesus as we share Jesus' love with them, as we seek and advocate for justice and righteousness. After all, what's the point of gaining the whole world if we end up not being connected with Jesus? Let me pray. Jesus, as we spend time in your word and as we reflect on this passage of what it means to abide, to be connected with you. Lord, so often we can easily focus on what it means to be fruitful rather than our connection with you. And today you remind us afresh that this is so much more important and that as a result of a good connection with you, that we will be fruitful. Lord, help us in our desire to connect deeper and richer with you, to abide in you, to continue to be prepared to invest, to respond well to the times of pruning so that we can increase in our fruitfulness for your glory and for our joy. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, there's a couple of things that I wanted to have us ponder this morning. Who or what are the current measures of your success? When you think about how you measure success, who measures success for you? Who does that? And what does that look like for you? What would it mean to be better connected with Jesus? And then lastly... What fruit would, um, would you like Jesus to produce through you? What fruit would you like Jesus to produce through you? There's going to be some music played, and as that music's played, I invite you to take out your response cards, um, or for those at home, you've got the opportunity to chat with us via the Zoom link as well. But let's take some time as some music's played to respond to Jesus now. God bless you.